What's up, Salt Company? How we doing? I always have this perpetual fear that my mic is like not on or something, or if it is on, it's during worship, so I'm just like, oh my gosh, I'm terrified. So, and move this puppy here. Hope that's okay. You guys look incredible. Oh, what a cute, what a cute little, I'm not going to be up here pouring my heart out in like this like jingle bell sweater, okay? It's for you. It's for you, okay? Thank you. It's, give me, okay, honestly, I tried though. I did red and green. I, I have, I have a Christmas sweater. It is in my closet. Whatever, okay? Give me some grace here. Um, Josiah, can I actually borrow? This is super random. Can I borrow your Bible? Thank you. It's back there. I forgot it. I know. Joe the heretic. Joe the heretic. Classic, right? All right. Amen. <laughs> All right. Well, I want to just reiterate um, what was said. If you guys are new here, um, to my understanding, there's a lot of you guys who are new. Uh, man, I'm glad you're here. Uh, if I haven't met you yet, my name is Joe Nealis. I'm the SALT director. Um, man, if again, if I haven't met you, I would love to. One of my favorite parts of my job is, is being able to sit up here to pray with you guys, to hear you guys' story. And so that would be my delight. After the service, um, either you come up to me or I'll find you. Sounds a little weird, but I'll, whatever. Uh, <laughs> so I would love to get to know you. Um, how many of you guys like, always get pumped out of your mind for Christmas break? Raise your hand. Come on. Anybody who is anybody, okay? Um, so when I was in college, uh, obviously like every single college student, I was pumped for, uh, for Christmas break for all the reasons uh, typical to you guys, except for uh, my family, they lived four and a half hours away. So I went to school in Ohio. Um, my family's from Michigan. And so I would have to drive like four and a half hours. So I would go like months without seeing my family. Um, some of you guys get that. Some of you guys, uh, you, your family's far away, so you guys get that. Um, but man, I'm telling you, the fall semester would be grueling because, man, I wouldn't be able to see my family. Um, I'm close with my family, so when I, I couldn't see them for months. And so I always looked forward to Christmas break, okay? So um, you guys know how it is. Like, you turn in your last final exam, and your brain, like, shuts off and goes into Christmas break mode, right? 100%, okay? Some of you guys are already there. Um, and so uh, I made a beeline to my car. Like, as soon as my, uh, my last final exam is done, I go to my car, I'm driving, and as I am listening uh, to the best Christmas song of all time, Mariah Carey's hit classic, All I Want for Christmas is You. I will not debate that. That's the best Christmas song, okay? So I'm... <laughs> you're wrong. Uh, so... Um, so I'm listening to this song, and man, as this is happening, I'm just dreaming. I'm just thinking about having like a warm little cup of hot chocolate. You know the feeling, guys. And uh, man, you're next to the, like the lit up Christmas tree, and you're watching your favorite Christmas movie. Yeah? Some people get that. Uh, maybe just me. Um, but man, I'm just thinking about, man, I can't wait to walk into my front door, and my parents are going to give me a big hug. And the cookies are baking in the oven, like the whole deal. I'm so excited. So, and then as I'm driving, so I'm listening to this song, and then it starts to snow. Oh, just perfect. It was perfect. And, um, man, you've been there before. Like, you're in the car, and it looks like you're, like, in this snow globe. It's, like, magical. It doesn't get better than this. 
So I'm like taking it all in, okay? Full Christmas mode. And I'm very excited to be with my family. And so I keep driving. And uh, the snowflakes begin to get bigger. Uh, The wind gets a lot stronger. And the cars in front of me that I was able to see begin to kind of fade into this like haze of a blizzard over time. And so this, (laughs) what is happening? (laughs) So, but at this point in time, so I was pumped to get home. I don't, maybe you guys get this way, like you, at least for me, I don't, like when I'm on a road trip, I'm like game time, like no breaks. I don't care if you have to pee, I'm going. Like we're just, hey, we're going. And so for me, I'm like with any kind of, like, especially with the snow, I'm like, I want to be home like right now. It's been months of me uh, being at school, being far away from family, um, so seeing all the snow begin to, I mean, even the roads, it was, the roads began to be this like sheet of, of, of white and I couldn't really see the roads. And so, man, for me, I'm like, I just want to be home right now. And I wasn't going to miss any kind of event or anything. I just wanted to be home. And the reality was, um, man, my hopes for being home at the time that I wanted to be began to wither and to fade. Um, Here's the thing, that's not a crazy intense example. Um, But here's the thing, Uh, I think that a lot of life is that way, and here's what I mean, I need you to to, to hang on when I say this. Um, I don't know where a lot of you guys are at. When you guys come into Salt Company, um, there are some of you guys here that are filled with, with shame and regret and guilt over your sin, um, you feel unworthy of God. You come here and you're like, man, it, it's kind of hard for me to sing these songs. I don't really feel like I'm worthy. Would God ever want someone like me? Or maybe you're here and, and while the Christmas season is generally a time of joy for people, for you, it's the opposite. And you're coming into Christmas this year, if you were to be honest, and you look at your life, you're coming to Christmas this year and it's really, really tough for you. So instead of joy, you're filled with sadness, loneliness, or you fill in the blank. And the hope that will carry you through that season kind of feels distant. And see, tonight, we're going to see that the birth of Jesus is a thrill of hope for you. For people like you, for people like me, the, the birth of Jesus is a thrill of hope. What's a thrill of hope? We, you know, it's part of an old Christmas song, what is it? A thrill of hope is this. It's the joy of receiving hope when you feel hopeless. It's the joy of receiving hope when you feel hopeless, whether you find yourself feeling far from God and unworthy or you find yourself feeling low and dark during this season, you're going to see that the meaning of the birth of Jesus is a thrill of hope for you. Hope for you when you feel Hopeless. Even if you're here and you have no interest in the birth of Jesus, your friend just told you to come to Salt Company and wear a Christmas sweater. Even for you that the birth of Jesus is a thrill of hope. And we're going to see that specifically in the passage we're going to be in tonight. So if you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, uh, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 1. So Matthew chapter 1, go ahead and open there if you have your Bibles. If you're new to the Bible, and man, I hope that there are some of you guys who are new to the Bible, um, 
Matthew is the first book of the New Testament. So the Old Testament takes up a little over half of the Bible. You're going to flip, and when you see the New Testament, it's the first book there. And what you need to know is that Matthew is one of the four Gospels. There's four accounts of the life, the death, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We just got done with our series in the book of Luke, and so this is just another Gospel, another account. And what you need to know as well is that Matthew was a disciple of Jesus. In other words, he was a follower of Jesus. And you need to know this. Matthew wasn't like a classic church guy. Like he wasn't rooting for Jesus the whole time. He wasn't just a religious person. He wasn't raised in a religious household. He was actually a tax collector. And that probably doesn't mean a whole lot to you. But what you need to know is that being a tax collector was like the lowest of the lowest of the low in society. And Matthew was changed by the message of the one who was born on Christmas Day. And so he devotes his life to writing this book, this account of the life and the death of the resurrection of Jesus. And he does this to show other people that Jesus is not just some guy, but that Jesus was actually the promised hope of the Old Testament. You see, the Old Testament points to Jesus. That's what it does. And he's here to say, hey, listen, that Messiah, that Savior, that hope for the world that we've been waiting for, he's here. And so for the first few verses of chapter one, you see all these names. It's like a genealogy. And usually when you're reading the Bible, you're like, oh, cool, names, whatever. I'm going to go to the real stuff. Uh, here's what he's doing there. He's saying, Jesus is the promised son of Abraham, the one who will bring about blessing on the world. In other words, the gospel will be shared. People will be saved. People will be forgiven. That's who he is. He's the son of David. He says that too, the son of David. He alone will have a kingdom that will reign forever and ever and ever. Amen? So that's what he's trying to say at this point. And then he begins to recall the birth of this Jesus. And so in this story, we're going to see that in the most famous story ever told, we're going to see that the birth of this one is the thrill of hope that all of us need, the thrill of hope for the world. So this brings us to our first point. If you're taking notes, the first point is the skeptic. Point number one is the skeptic. If you're taking notes, um, look at me starting in verse 18 of chapter 1. It says this, The birth of Jesus Christ came about this way. After his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, it was discovered before they came together that she was pregnant from the Holy Spirit. So her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her publicly, decided to divorce her secretly. So here we are in the middle of the most famous story ever told. And in the midst of it is a story of a divorce. Probably haven't heard that before on Christmas Day. In the midst of all of this, in the midst of this story, there's a divorce. You're like, that doesn't make any sense. It literally says that Mary and Joseph were engaged when they found out that Mary was pregnant. How do, what do you mean they got a divorce? Uh, there's something you need to know. Um, back during this time, um, their engagements were a lot different than what we do now. Um, for today, the guy gets on one knee, proposes, pops a question. She says, yes, party time. It's exciting. But basically what that means is you're just promising each other that you're going to get married. And I'm oversimplifying it, but it's basically that. 
And so nothing like if you, if you had cold feet and you're like, ah, I don't know about this person. I, I'm getting nervous. I don't know if I want to get married to this person. This isn't right. You could leave and you wouldn't have to file any paperwork or anything. But the thing was, during this time, um, as soon as uh, Joseph proposed to Mary and Mary said yes, uh, essentially what that means is now they're in like this legally bound relationship. In other words, if Joseph wants to get, if Joseph wants to leave this engagement, he's like, I don't know if I want to get married to this girl anymore. He has to literally file for a full-fledged divorce. Okay? Way different than what we know now, but that's exactly what is going on. And so during that time, it was massively, massively different. So in this case, Joseph wants to get a divorce. Why? Look with me again at verse 18. He says this. It was discovered before they came together that she was pregnant with the Holy Spirit. Okay, Matthew, he's saying that before they got married, before they had sex, he finds out that Mary is pregnant. So what does Joseph resolve to do? He seeks to get a divorce. And if you're like me, you're probably wondering, why would you get, like, you're about to be the adoptive father of the savior of the world. Or, or maybe like, hey, if you knew that she was pregnant by the Holy Spirit, you probably shouldn't divorce her. She wasn't unfaithful, right? Like, why would you divorce her? That doesn't make any sense. You see, Joseph didn't know this. And Matthew tells us that it had been discovered that she was pregnant from the Holy Spirit, but Joseph did not know she was pregnant for this reason until the angel confronted him in a dream. Listen to verse 20. He says this. But after he had considered these things, Joseph's like, man, do I, need to, do I need to get a divorce? She's pregnant. What's going on? An angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife because what has been conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. So not until that moment, guys, did Joseph know that this was not an ordinary birth. Not until this moment did he fully understand that this pregnancy was not the result of unfaithfulness on Mary's part. But before that moment, before that moment happened, he kind of was in the dark. He knew his wife was pregnant, and so he's like, that was, she's been unfaithful. I need to get a divorce. And so he seeks to get a divorce. And the thing was, I need you guys to see this. The thing was, he had not understood the significance of this pregnancy. He had not understood the significance of this pregnancy at first. And as a result, he was going to divorce her. I need you to imagine for a second that you're Joseph, okay? Imagine for a second that you're Joseph and your fiance, whom you have not slept with, comes up to you and says, honey, I'm pregnant. What? What are you talking about? We didn't, I didn't, what are you talking about? That was not me. So naturally, you're probably not thinking, oh, how sweet. It was the Holy Spirit, right? <laughs> how sweet. That's not what's probably going through his mind. And I can guarantee that's probably not what would be going through your mind either if you were in that situation. And so, all that Joseph knew at first was what he had heard on the surface. He knew a baby was being born, but that's all that he knew. So my question is, are you the same way when it comes to the birth of Jesus? 
You've heard the story of Jesus' birth. You've seen the nativity scene. You know, your grandma's got that cute little nativity scene on her kitchen table or something. You are familiar with it. You know that Christmas is celebrated because of the birth of this baby. But like Joseph at first, you haven't yet understood the value and the mystery of the birth of Jesus Christ, the way that it was meant to be understood. So maybe you're here and you think of the birth of Jesus as the birth of this guy that he was a good guy. We should be like him. Great. Maybe you're here and you think of the birth of Jesus as the birth of a guy who's eventually going to die and rise. And now he, you know, gives you all the things that you want when you ask for things. Maybe for you, when you think of the birth of Jesus, you're indifferent. I mean, it's not, it doesn't feel relevant to me. I mean, it's the birth of this guy. We sing about him and it's, I don't know. For you, it's like, I mean, it's at least, it's an entertaining story that Christians tell, but that's it. So, like Joseph at first, some of us have yet to understand the significance of the birth of Jesus. And you need to know this. When you do, you'll see that this moment in history is a thrill of hope for you today. So what about this baby? What is so significant? What's the big deal? This brings us to our second point. So our second point is this, the Savior. If you're taking notes, second point is the Savior. God came for us. Point number two is the Savior. God came for us. God came for us. Look with me at verse 20. It says this, but after he had considered these things, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife because what has been conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Verse 21, she will give birth to a son and you are to name him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. See, the virgin will become pregnant and give birth to a son and they will name him Emmanuel which is translated, God is with us. So from the get-go, the angel tells us that this is not the birth of any kind of baby, just any kind of kid. This is not merely a man. The birth of Jesus, it was far more than that. He's telling us that the birth of Jesus was God the Son, the second person of the Trinity, taking on flesh, born as a child in our world. You're not getting it. It was God in the flesh. Why? Why did God have to come in the flesh in Jesus? Look with me at verse 21 again. She will give birth to a son, and you are to name him Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. So why did he do it? To save you from your sins. That's what he came to do. That was the mission. From the get-go. Hey, he's here. God is with us. To save you. Save me. Save us from our sins. 
You see, the Bible says that we are created to live in a relationship with God. In the beginning, we were created, and we were created in the image of God. We were created to live with him, to submit to his rule, to live in the enjoyment of God's presence. But the thing is, the Bible also says that all of us have rebelled against God. We've all chosen to live our own ways, to reject God. And as a result, Romans chapter 6 says that the payment of our sin, the payment of our rebellion is punishment for our sin, is death, to be punished for all of eternity. You see, instead of allowing us to face the penalty of our sins, instead of justly and rightly saying, hey, you know what? Joe's, been, Joe's a sinner, and as a, as, a, as a judge, he will be judged for all the things that he has done. Instead of punishing us for our sins, he offered a way out in his son Jesus. He did the unimaginable. Verse 23, it says, he is God with us. God came down from heaven, stepping out of eternal pleasure, joy, and glory, and into our dark, broken, and sinful world as a man. So that he could stand in your place and face the punishment that we all deserve for our sins, an act that he did on the cross. Amen? It's what he came to do. They will name him Jesus, for he will save them from their sins. You see, God, if he wanted, could have chosen someone else. He could have been like any, like the other religions. I'll send someone else to go. I'll send another prophet. He'll fix it up. But instead, he came down himself. There's a, there's a pastor, and he thinks of the Christmas story this way. He says this, when I decided to ask my wife to marry me, I didn't send someone else to do it for me. I went myself. Why? Because in matters of love, one must go himself. In love, God came to us himself as a baby for us. You see, in any other religion, you have to work your way up to God. If you're just good enough, and some of you guys in the room have grown up in these homes where you believe that in order to get to heaven, you need to be good enough. If you just come to church enough, if you just read the Bible enough, if you just do these things enough, then, and only then can I be able to reach God. That's any other religion. But you see, in the birth of Jesus... God came down to us. See, maybe there are some of you guys who have been thinking your whole lives that I need to work my way to God. And the Christmas story says the opposite. Stop trying to save yourself. God came for you. God himself. It's what love required. See, I think oftentimes we think that Jesus came to save those people who have it mostly together. 
Man, Jesus is a fan of the people who've got it all together. Man, they come to church every week. They can quote every Bible verse. God is really pleased with that person. God came for that person. And those are the people Jesus came for, right? Not exactly. That's not who he came for. You know who he came for? Look with me at verse 21. She will give birth to a son, and you are to name him Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Jesus was born for the unfaithful. He was born for the disobedient. He was born for the rebellious. Born for the outcast. Do you hear this? Jesus wasn't born for the people who have it all together. He was born for those who feel like they can't do anything right, for those who are here who have bitterness in their heart, hatred towards their enemies. He died. He came. He was born for those who are inconsistent, for the hypocrites. He was born for those who are addicted to drugs and alcohol and partying, for those who are addicted to pornography and sex. Jesus was born for you. The unfaithful. That's all of us. That's who Jesus was born for. So you have no need to run. You have no need to hide because Jesus knows every single thing about your heart and your past. And yet in love has chosen to say, I'm going to come down to earth to live and to live the perfect life they couldn't live, to die the death that they deserve because I love them. They will name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And so the birth of Jesus is a thrill of hope for the unfaithful because all, for many of us, we think that we need to be, we're searching for God, we're searching so hard, we want to be good enough for him, we're searching for him, and the reality is the, the Christmas story tells us that God came for you. Your searching is over. Jesus, God in the flesh, came for you. That's the story of Christmas. The thing is, there's more here. The birth of Jesus is certainly a thrill of hope for the unfaithful. But for many believers here, you know that story. You know the story of the birth of Jesus. You've heard it like a hundred times. You know this, and you've placed your faith in Jesus. But there are some of you here that I know that when it comes to the joy of Christmas, that is not how you are feeling. You come here, and the joy of Christmas isn't apparent in your life. Because the reality is, What's going on in your heart is you're thinking about the fact that you have to go through Christmas without the presence of someone in your family for the very first time, whether that's emotionally or physically to, to death. You dread Christmas. This season is particularly hard for you because you have to suffer Christmas without someone special in your life. There are others of you here you don't look forward to Christmas this year. Why? Because 
you have to go back to a family, a broken family, where they've said hurtful, hurtful things to you. They've done hurtful things to you. And you dread Christmas Day because you have to be with them again. You're not excited for that. The amount of hurt, the things that have been said, you feel those things. Many of you guys are also going through Christmas and you're feeling low and you're feeling depressed because Christmas for you is really just a reminder that you're alone. That while everyone seems to be happy in their romantic relationships, you're alone. And so Christmas for you doesn't have the joy that you wish it did. So the bottom line is this. There are many Christians here who, if they were to be honest, are having a really hard time this Christmas season. And if that's you, I need you to hear this last point. Point number three is this. The promise. The promise. God is with us. Point number three, the promise, God is with us. Look with me again at verse 23. It says this, and the virgin will become pregnant, give birth to a son. They will name him Emmanuel, which is translated God is with us. You need to understand something. Um, Matthew, when he's writing about this, he's quoting an Old Testament prophet. He's quoting Isaiah. And what is Isaiah saying here? He's prophesying of a time when God would come to dwell in the flesh with his people. He's speaking about the birth of Jesus as the arrival of God on earth. Jesus is God with us. You see, God didn't look indifferently at our suffering from afar. Instead, God, in incredible love, came down to our world of suffering and felt the unbelievable pain of betrayal the unbelievable pain of ultimately his crucifixion. You see, God came to be with us. And so you're probably asking, okay, yeah, but what about now? The birth of Jesus was God with us then, okay? Uh, what about now? Jesus died, he rose, he's not here anymore. Where is God now? Like, God with us, where is that now? In the prophecy of the birth of Jesus, it's the promise that God is with us, not just back then when Jesus was on earth. No, it's far better than that. It's the promise that God is with us. God is with you, Christian, in the room. He's with you now. If you don't believe me, you need to listen to Jesus Word, the last words in the book of Matthew, Matthew, 20, uh, Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 to 20, it says this, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you. And then he says this, and remember, I am with you always to the end of the age, always. So Christian in the room who is struggling this year with Christmas, um, Christian in the room who is battling the pain of having to go through Christmas without someone that you dearly love, whether it's your grandfather, your grandmother, your mom, your dad, your brother, your sister, whoever it is, 
and you feel that pain. Christian in the room who cannot bear to hear the joy of Christmas because all you can think about is the pain of having to show up on Christmas Day to sit at the table with people who have hurt you. Christian in the room who feels the anxiety of all of the things that you have to do before the semester ends. Christian in the room who is struggling because you see all the relationships that are happening, you're scrolling on Instagram, and you're reminded again that you're alone, and you feel that pain. The thrill of hope that the Christmas story offers you is this. God is with you. God is with you. In the middle of grieving the loss of a family member, in the middle of the anxiety of getting everything done, in the middle of your fear of being with your broken family again, know this. He has not turned his face away from you. It might feel like it. He has not turned his face away from you. He has not cast you out until you can pull yourself together again. No, Christian in the room, he is with you. You might be thinking, man, it doesn't feel like it. It doesn't feel like God's with me. Look at, look at what's going on in my life. What do you mean God's with me? Salt Company, you need to know this. You need to learn this. Your feelings do not determine what's true. Your feelings do not determine what's true. God does. God determines what's true. You know what he's promised you, Christian, in the room? I am with you always. I am with you always. He's with you when you feel like he's turned away. He's with you when your life has come to this incredibly dark spot during this time of year. He is with you always. Your task, believer in the room, is to believe that that's true. Your task is to believe that that is true. Believe with all of your heart that he is with you because he is. And if you don't believe me, you need to listen to this verse. Psalm 34, 18 says this. The Lord is near to who? The brokenhearted. He's near to the brokenhearted. And he rescues those whose spirits are crushed. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted. And he rescues those whose spirits are crushed. He is with you. Throughout your darkest hour, it's when God says that he is near. Will you believe this? Because when you do, this hope will sustain you through whatever darkness you face this Christmas season. Because the birth of Jesus is a thrill of hope for the hurting believer because it's a promise of God's constant and faithful presence in their lives, even in the darkest of times. The birth of Jesus is a thrill of hope for the unfaithful. God came for you. He came for the unfaithful, the disobedient. Are you weary? Are you burdened with the, with the sin in your life, the weight of your mistakes? Jesus was born for you. It's also a thrill of hope for the hurting. Are you struggling this time of year? Brother or sister in the room, are you struggling this time of year? Because if you are, the birth of Jesus is a reminder for you that in Christ, God 
is with you, no matter what your circumstances might tell you. But this is only true for those of you who have placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. See, God came as a man. We talked about this. God came as a man to save you from your sins, to save you from your rebellion. That's why he came. And he came to suffer in your place, to face the penalty for your sins. And so if you're here and and you haven't accepted Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior, you haven't placed your faith in the message of the gospel, today's the day of salvation. Because Jesus, he came so that he would save you from your sins. Only Jesus can rescue you from your sin and your shame. Only Jesus can bring you to God. Only Jesus can give you eternal life. And get this, all you need to bring is your need. All you need to bring is your very need. So you can come to the manger where Jesus was born. And you know what you bring? Your need. And you say to Jesus, I know that you came for me. I've sinned against you. Jesus, thank you for coming for me, that I could have a relationship with you. Would you forgive me of my sins? Jesus, I place my faith and my trust in you. What better way to enter the Christmas season than to place your faith in the one who was born for you? Jesus, his birth is a thrill of hope for the unfaithful. It's a thrill of hope for the hurting. Let's pray. Uh, God, thank you uh, for the Christmas story that we didn't have to work our way up to you, but God, you came down to us. And you came to save us from our sins. And so God, I pray that for those who are in the room who have never placed their faith and trust in you, Jesus, I pray that they would be prompted, that they would Hear this message and be captivated and say, man, I I need to place my faith in the one who came and he died for me. I'm unfaithful. I'm disobedient. Jesus, you came for me. God, I pray that would be true tonight. We pray that you would convict hearts and Lord, that, that, that they would come and they would accept you as their Savior. God, I pray for the believer in the room who is facing this Christmas and man, they kind of feel guilty because they're they're coming to Christmas and they, they're not as excited as they want to be. Or, and it just, it's just this dark season that you're bringing them through. God, I pray that they would be reminded of just that, that you're bringing them through this, that you are with them. That the Christmas story for them would be a reminder that as they celebrate Christmas, it'd be a reminder for them. It'd be a reminder for them, God, that you are with them. You're with them. You've promised it. So God, I pray that you would encourage, discourage hearts tonight. And God, I pray that you would convict hearts that have never placed their faith in you. God, we love you. We worship you tonight. We pray this in your son's name. Amen.